Wednesday is Inauguration Day in Washington, D.C. I know you haven't seen anything at all about that on the news, but it is. January the 20th, one of our presidential administrations will end and another one will begin. Some people in our country are very happy about the transition. Some people are very upset by the transition. But regardless, this Wednesday will be the ending of one administration and the beginning of a new. Transitions often happen in lives. Maybe you are a Jeopardy game show watcher. And if so, you know that Alex Trebek passed away last year. And so the search now is on for someone who is going to succeed him. A lot of people are pulling for Ken Jennings, who's the all-time champion, I suppose. Most money won on that program. But there are other possibilities that have been thrown out there. And I read an article where the producers of the program were saying, we have to be very careful. Alex was an icon. And so we want to be sure that we get someone who really fulfills that role well. I'm sure that they are thinking about the disaster that happened on the um, Price is Right when they replaced Bob Barker. Nobody ever should host that game show but Bob Barker. They should have ended it that day when he decided to give up at 133 years old. But still, Drew Carey now hosts that game show. And so regularly we have different transitions in life. Well, our church is in a transition period. One pastor has accepted God's call to a new position of ministry and someone out there one day is going to accept a call to be the new pastor here. So how should we work through this transition period? What are ways that we can honor God as we move from one leadership person to another? I'd like us to look together in the book of Joshua today. I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. As you are turning there, let me give you some Bible background to the passage that we're going to study together. By the time we get to Joshua chapter 1, God's people had been rescued from slavery in Egypt. Perhaps you remember that God threw down a series of ten devastating plagues on the Egyptians. Flies came, frogs came, the rivers turned to blood, all of the water was toxic that way. And then the very last of the plagues that God sent upon the Egyptians was the death of the firstborn of everyone in Egypt, unless... They applied to their door frames and the top of the door blood from a, a substitutionary lamb. And on that night of the Passover, the angel of the Lord went through Egypt and everywhere he saw the blood of the lamb, life was spared. And every, every home that did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the firstborn son died. That plague is a picture of our salvation. In the New Testament, the Bible writers picked up on, wait a minute, what God did in Egypt in releasing those people from their slavery is exactly what God does in our lives when he rescues us from our sins. The blood of a spotless lamb, a sinless lamb, Jesus, then is applied to our hearts and we are rescued from judgment and death. Well, the children of Israel then left Egypt they got to the banks of the Jordan River. Moses sent 12 spies into the land. Say, just tell us what it is like. When those 12 spies returned, all 12 of the spies were unanimous in their report. They said, the land is wonderful. It's even better than we heard. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. If we could just go live there, man, what prosperity we would enjoy. And they all were unanimous on that point. 
Their views split, however, on the next point. Ten of the spies said, It is a wonderful land, but we will never live there. The people who inhabit that land are giants. Their walls are fortified. We have been slaves in Egypt for more than 400 years. We don't know anything about war. We don't know anything about battle. We never would be able to defeat them. We don't even have any weapons to be able to go in and fight against these people. We should just turn around and go back to Egypt. Ten of the 12 spies gave that report. Two of the spies, however, Joshua and Caleb said, these men don't know what they're talking about. The land is inhabited by giants. The walls are fortified, but God fights for us. We should go in and possess the land. But the majority ruled that day, and so the children of Israel turned around at the banks of the Jordan River and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. During that 40-year period, every adult who was old enough to know better, every adult who knew we should trust God, died. And only the younger people were now standing at the banks of the Jordan River for the second time. Moses had died, and now Joshua was about to take over as Israel's new leader. On the night before, or just prior to, not exactly the night before, just prior to the children of Israel's going into the promised land, God had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Joshua. And we get some instructions about transitions that I want us to look at together. Read with me, please. In Joshua chapter 1, beginning in the very first verse, the Bible says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. Nun is his, uh, is his father, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites, and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction will not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. Now, what can we learn as First Baptist Church Union about the transition from one pastor to another? There are four different instructions that I want to give. First, we should look back. 
Do you see the name of Moses weaving its way all the way through these 11 verses? God said to Joshua, look, as I was with Moses, so I am going to be with you. Whatever the instructions I gave to Moses, you people need to continue observing them. Moses was an influential leader in many of these people's lives. They grew up learning from Moses, and so God affirmed Moses' leadership and said, look, I want you to look back. Now, there are two good reasons for looking back. One, you look back for celebration. I picture these children of Israel thinking about God's uh, work in their lives. Maybe they, maybe they sat around a campfire and said, Do you remember the day that we were starving? And we had no idea what we were going to do. We had brought some food from Egypt, but we did not know how our supplies were going to last. And then one morning we awakened. We went outside of our tents, and there was something on the ground. It looked like frost during the, during the wintertime, but we started to gather, and we called it manna. And God fed us every single day with that manna. Some of them might have said, do you remember that day that we were standing? I mean, we were right there at the edge of the Red Sea, and, and we could not go forward because the, the ocean was in front of us. But behind us, there were Pharaoh and his chariots racing after us to come get us, to take us back to Egypt, to be slaves again. We had no idea what we were going to do. But do you remember? It was phenomenal. Moses stretched out his arms, and that sea split a, a big wind blew in and and the water stood as two walls on both sides of us and we walked straight through the middle of those two walls and the ground beneath us it wasn't spongy it wasn't soft it was dry ground God did that and then when we all got to the other side the scholars say there were about two and a half million Israelites by this time. When we got to the other side, Pharaoh said, let's go get them. And so they started coming through that same pathway, and Moses pulled his arms down, and the walls of water collapsed on top of the Egyptians, and we've never seen them again. One of the reasons that we look back is to celebrate and say, look at all that God has done. John Martin was an important part of this church life for 11 years. His family was. In transition periods, we should look backward to say, he helped, he helped put our marriage back together. John baptized me. He baptized my kids. He performed our wedding. He performed this person's funeral in our family. Your next pastor, our next pastor, is not going to be a person who comes in and says, I don't ever want to hear the name John Martin again. Because part of the way that God works in our lives is as we look backward to see how far we have come, to see all that has, has happened, and we celebrate it. Do any of you watch Nutrisystem commercials or things like that on television? Marie Osmond is all, there's no telling how much money she's making today. Whenever they have these com commercials or for exercise equipment, something like that, whenever they have their spokespeople talking about the benefits of this particular diet plan or this piece of exercise equipment, they always show the before and after pictures. They don't just show the after pictures. They don't just put this person's picture up there and say, and look at how I look now. No, 
They always go backward and say, wow, look at, the, look at the contrast. See, that's one of the reasons that we look back. This church today isn't what it was 11 years ago. And so we look back to say, look at what God did. Look at the lessons that he has taught us. Look at the people he has added. Look at the people, thank God, he's gotten rid of. Look at all of the people that are, look at how far we have come. And 11 years has been significant in our lives individually and in the life of this church. We look back. But looking back is more than just celebrating. It also gives us confidence for the future. God's track record of what he has done gives us the confidence to say we know what he will do. As the Lord spoke to Joshua here in this passage, he said, look, I was with Moses. I was with him in powerful ways. I did some great things through Moses. But in the same way that I was with Moses, I am going to be with you. This church's history did not die the day that John and his family accepted a call to a different ministry. God will be with our next pastor in the very same way that he was. And we can look back and see, yes, God was with us during all of these days. He's going to be with us in the future. Which brings me to my second idea. We look back, but we also look forward. No church ever can be what God intends for it to be if it just settles into a holding pattern and says, well, we've kind of carved out a rut here, and so we're just going to be complacent here. God did not bring the children of Israel out of Egypt simply to stay on the banks of the Jordan River. Centuries before, he had promised to Abraham every place where your foot steps, that's going to belong to your descendants. I'm going to make you as, as plentiful as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And this land where you now are walking is going to belong to your descendants forever. And so the children of Israel did not say, well, we've, we've had a pretty good run. We've gotten out of Egypt. Why don't we just stay here? No, they were determined we are going into that promised land. God gave it to Abraham. He reaffirmed that promise to Isaac, his son. He gave it again to Jacob. And then all of us who are descendants of Jacob know this land belongs to us. And so we as a church need to look forward. We need to say, God, what are the next steps that you want for us? Where, do, where are the next chapters that you want to write for us? No church can, can always look back without looking forward. We need to be specifically seeking God during this time to say Lord we're looking forward where do you want to lead us see the children of Israel did not leave Egypt just to go anywhere else in the world they were headed to a specific destination God's got a specific des destination for us and so we have to seek to say God what are the next chapters that you want to write for us? What are the next lessons that you want us to learn? What are the new steps that you want us to take? We are going to be in tune with you, Lord, so that as we look forward, we're not just randomly wandering down some path. We are headed where you want us to go. God knows exactly what lies ahead for us in the next few weeks and months. God knows exactly what is coming. 
I told you last week, if you were here, even though none of us in this room knows who our next pastor will be, God knows exactly where in the world he is right now. He's perhaps standing in, in a pulpit preaching, and God knows everything that needs to happen in that man's life and in that family's life for them to be ready to come here. Perhaps there are some deficiencies in his leadership that he will have to have an experience in his church and he will learn how to manage conflict or navigate something difficult. And so God says before he can get to union, he has to learn this lesson, and so I'm going to prepare him for that. But if we turn that coin over, there may be some deficiencies in us. We may, not, we may not be ready for the next pastor yet. And so it could be that God says before he gets here, here are the things that need to be worked out. Here are the lessons that need to be learned. Here are the relationships that need to be mended. And so we need to say, God, we are looking forward to what you want to do, and we're going to be in tune with you. We're going to seek you diligently and vigorously to say, God, you make sure that we're on the right path. You make sure that we are on the path to the promised land, not just Mesopotamia, not just Edom, not just Moab. You get us to the right place where you want us to be. And so we look back, both to celebrate and to gain confidence. God has been with us, and he is going to be with us. We look forward to say, God, we don't know where we're going, but we know that you're going to get us there, and so we're going to be seeking you. Third, we need to look up. Do you see how in this passage God continued to say to Joshua, I will be with you. Do not fear. Do not be discouraged. I've given you instructions. You hold on to this book of the law, and then you will prosper wherever you go. God continued to say, Joshua, the resource that you have for success is me. Don't rely on your own abilities. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own plans or strategies. If you are going to prosper, if my people are going to flourish, they will need to look to me. I was with Moses, and I was with these people as they got you to this point, and I am going to be with you, so you continue to look to me. You continue to say, God, as we move down this pathway, you help us. You steer us in the right direction. You let us know exactly what we need to do to be ready for our next pastor, and then you give us the ability to do it. God help us sometimes um, well in fact probably over the past five to seven years student ministers have begun adapting their summer scheduling I don't know what union is like but lots of student ministers struggle getting kids to go to camp not because they don't want to go to camp but well we can only miss this many days of, of football weightlifting and and I to work in order to earn some money or or we have cheerleading camp this week and so there are some student ministers who have who have said look we're going to plan an in-town camp so that our our students who work or or can't maybe go off or can't afford the other camp can do this and so not long ago I was speaking at one of these events in Lafayette Louisiana on the last night of the camp the teenagers were putting on a carnival for the entire church body. And so really to get into the mood of working at the fair and carnival, all of them had every tooth but one pulled so they would fit in with carnival workers. And so everybody was gathered there, you know, to do all of this type of stuff. And, and they had little stations where kids would go fishing and they would put things on the fishing pole and things like that. Well, during the evening, I already had spoken and, and 
led the Bible study, people, of course, were flocking to me to say what a wonderful job it was. And as I was standing there, I looked across to where the snacks were being served, and I saw a young boy, maybe six years old or something like that, make his way up to where the Kool-Aid and popcorn and other snacks were, and he was holding in his hand a little helium balloon on a string. He walked up to get his Kool-Aid, and he reached up to get his popcorn, and when he reached up to get his popcorn, the balloon in his hand slipped up. And it went up to a kind of a ledge, maybe about where the balcony line is. And so he, he lost his balloon. His bottom lip began to quiver. The tears were getting ready to flow. And so he looked toward his dad to, to say, my balloon is gone. His father looked at him, didn't, even, didn't really even stop the conversation that he was having with someone else. And he just he said to his son, son, reach up there and get your balloon. The balloon was three, four, five, six feet above where the, the child's arm could reach. And so, no way he could get it. And so he turned again. <laughs> and his, his dad said, son, reach, wipe your tears, get your, get your balloon. And I, dad, I, I can't get my balloon. And at that moment, his father reached down, grabbed the boy by his waist, scooped him up into the air, and the boy just reached up and grabbed his balloon, pulled it back down by himself. The boy had no hope of getting the balloon. But with his father, he got it. I don't know how to state this any more plainly and clearly. We have to have God's help. We won't be able to take one right step without him. Any plans we make without the Lord's guidance will utterly fail. Any thoughts that we have without tuning into the Lord could not, could not be more wrong. Joshua and these people dared not cross the Jordan River thinking we will defeat these people on our own. In fact, you remember the very first battle that, that they fought against Jericho. God said, I'm going to demonstrate to you how I will fight for you. I want you to march around the city for six days and then on the seventh day, I want you to do the same thing, except I want you to march around seven times. And then I want you to shout. Now, I never have been in the military, except in my secret government role of special forces. So I, I don't know this, but I don't know any military general that says, men, the way that we're going to win this war, we are going to shout louder than they do. But that's how... The children of Israel saw the walls of Jericho fall. They did not take their sledgehammers and their picks and start chipping away. God did that. If the right pastor is going to be here, every person in this building will have to say, God, we are looking to you. We don't know anything about what needs to happen, but you do. And so we're looking back 
We're looking forward. We're looking up. And then the last idea that I want you to see here is that we need to look around. I really like the way this passage closes in verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you will be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. Joshua sent the word out to all the captains, all the people who were head of, heads of, of smaller groups. And he said, you go through the camp. You get all two and a half million Israelites. And you say to them, you need to get all your provisions ready. We are about to go into the promised land, and we're all going. Not some of us. Not most of us. We are all going into this land that's God's purpose for all of us not just some of us not just most of us all of us and so we need to look around let me make two specific applications as it relates to this looking around first in the past 10 months I am quite confident that you have lost contact with some people who are members of this church. Maybe they're in the early service and you're in the second service. You're in different Sunday school classes and so you haven't seen them in about 10 months. If you have seen them, you don't have a really good update on how things are going. I also am quite confident that in the previous 10 months, we've had some church members who have fallen through the cracks. Maybe some who have used the pandemic as a convenient excuse for not being a part of church anymore. Some who, by necessity, have had to limit their attendance and participation. The church schedule in and of itself is somewhat streamlined. God does not intend for some people in our church or for most people in our church to be a part of this transition he intends for all of us to be and so then it becomes vital that we as a church connect with people reach out to people take the initiative to say look we we are in a transition period and we are moving towards something and we all are going together we don't want you to be left behind we don't want you back over here on the on the banks of the Jordan River while we are in the promised land and so it is important for us as a church to to go through the role and say I haven't seen this person I haven't talked with this person I want to be sure that we all are going there's a second application that I want to make concerning this looking around. Joshua was a different type of leader than Moses was. God did not need two of Moses. Had he needed two of Moses, he would have made two Moseses. But he made a Moses and he made a Joshua. The children of Israel could not bicker. They could not say, oh, we, we wish that we would do the things that Moses used to do. I, I remember when Moses was making decisions, this is how he would make them. They were to be together under the leadership of Joshua. You already know what I'm about to tell you, but I want to be sure that you hear it. 
our next pastor is not going to do everything the same that John Martin did. He's going to be different. It's possible that there will be some people here who say that's not the way we used to do it. I know if John were here, then this wouldn't happen. I know that this, the next pastor is going to be different. John was a very details person, very hands-on. The next pastor may say, look, I don't want to know every check request that comes in. That's what we've got a stewardship committee for. I don't want to make the decision about this. I want to be a big picture person. I want to focus on the vision and do pastoral care and preaching and teaching. I don't want to get involved in these other things. Looking around means that we say our next pastor isn't the same as John. And we're not going to allow the differences to divide us because we're all going together. I'm telling you right now, you hear me on January the 17th say the next pastor will not do everything the same that John did it, and that's okay. Second, the next pastor is not going to do everything as well as John did it. You may discover when your next pastor arrives, man, John was really, really organized. And our next pastor flies by the seat of his pants. You may say, man, man, John was a great preacher, and this guy's not so good. Of course, you won't care about that. Whatever you get is going to be an upgrade over what you have now. You will notice that whoever fills the role of Joshua will not do everything as well as Moses did. Now, he may do some things better. It, it may be that you say, look, here are some areas that are improvements, but they won't all be improvements. That's when people need to look around and say, this is not going to cause a division. We're all going forward. It is true. There are some things that he does not do as well as John did them. But this is the person that God's called to lead us. And so we're looking around to say, hey, you're coming with us. We want you to be a part of what God is doing. And I think it's really important during interim periods that the church membership mobilize itself to look around and say, who's, who's dragging behind us? We're all starting to move forward, but but this person seems to be trickling back some. I don't know who those people are, but you do. And so Joshua himself did not say, I am going to look around. He commanded all of the officers to go out and look around and say, hey, we're all getting ready to go. Come, come join us. Get, get all your stuff ready. We're going forward. Transition periods are natural parts of life. Sometimes we don't like them. Sometimes we wish that they wouldn't happen, but the reality is we always face them, and that's exactly where we are now at First Baptist Church Union. 
We're in a transition period. God has closed one chapter of ministry, but he isn't done with our church. He still has another chapter to go. And so it's important for us to use the scriptural principles that we can pick up here from this transition period to say, God, our Moses has moved on. You've led him to another place, but our Joshua is on the way. We want him to be ready for us, and we want to be ready for him so that we can fulfill all your purposes that you have for First Baptist Union. I'm going to ask our musicians to come, and they're going to lead us in a closing song of commitment. As they're making their way here, I want to say a couple of things. First, if any person in this room needs to talk with someone about a spiritual decision, maybe when we first began talking about this Passover lamb at the beginning of the message, you said, I need to be forgiven of my sins. I, I want to be, to be rescued and, and given new life. Then in just a moment, when we dismiss from here from singing, I'll be right down here on the front row. Steve will be available. Corbin will be available to talk with you about whatever spiritual decision you might need to make. I also want to say this. <clears throat> we haven't even set a date on the calendar but one day we are going to select a pastor search committee and that group of men and women is going to be commissioned with a grave responsibility to say Lord you lead us down the path that we need to go we want the exact right man to be here and so I'm going to ask in just a moment that we pray I'm going to ask that you pray specifically for God to guide you as you vote for the people that you believe belong on our pastor search committee. And I'm going to ask you to pray, God, we don't know who those people are yet, but you know. And so be preparing them so that when they are selected, they will be able to carry out this responsibility well. So would you do that, please? Would everyone bow your heads? I'm going to allow you a moment to pray silently for the people that you believe should be on that committee and then that you would pray for God whoever is selected that they would make the right choices and then I will uh, give a verbal prayer to lead into our final song. God, as a church, we are confessing our dependence upon you, and in this moment, we are looking up. We ask, God, that you, you steer our church family to the names that will represent us well in choosing the next pastor, in hearing, in hearing your direction for whatever that person needs to be. And so, God, we, I pray for every single man and woman who's in this room now that we have some watching online. There were some earlier in our first service of the day. I pray, God, that you will give us clarity, discernment, and wisdom to know the right people to choose. And then, God, once that committee is chosen, we pray that you will double up on the discernment, clarity, and wisdom so that as they sift through resumes, as they consider potential candidates, that you will give them the exact person who needs to come as our next pastor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.